Welcome back to my channel. It is Alex. Today I have for you some poems. I have picked out two poetry anthologies that I shared in my April wrap up and today I want to share with you some of my favorite poems from those anthologies and I'm going to show you just clippets of them. Maybe sometimes the whole thing if they're really short but usually just like a few sections of it, not the whole poem. Um, to give you inspiration on what to write about for your own poetry or stories or anything really. The first book I have is A Book of Luminous Things, an international anthology of poetry, and it is put together by Sesla Milas. So let's go. As you can see, I have tons of sticky notes, and I'm going to share with you my favorites from them. Okay, this is by Kikaku, and it talks about how in Japanese haiku, there are often glimpses of things that appear. You know, like, because haiku is so short, they only show you a snippet of an entire picture. Like this one by Kikaku. Above the boat, bellies of wild geese. That was translated from the Japanese by Lucien Strick and Takashi Gemoto. Oh, this one is by Jean Follin. It is translated from the French by Cézla Milos and Robert Haas. Music of Spheres. He was walking a frozen road. In his pocket, iron keys were jingling. And with his pointed shoe, absent-mindedly, he kicked the cylinder of an old can, which for a few seconds rolled in its cold emptiness, wobbled for a while, and stopped under a sky studded with stars. Nice. I love that one. I love how something like of the ordinary day can be so significant. And all of the things like the frozen road, the iron keys, um, old can, cold emptiness, wobbling, it all um, helps enforce that it's cold without like even having to say the word cold that much. It's great. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, this is by Carlos Drummond de Andrade. It is translated from the Portuguese by Elizabeth Bishop and it is called In the Middle of the Road. In the middle of the road there was a stone. There was a stone in the middle of the road. There was a stone in the middle of the road. There was a stone. That's just part of it, but that's just great. Okay, this is by Lee Young Lee, and it is called Irises. I'd like to tear these petals with my teeth. I'd like to investigate these hairy selves, their beauty and indifference. They hold their breath all their lives and open, open. I love this one. Um, this is by Robert Creeley and it is called Like They Say. Underneath the tree on some soft grass I sat. I watched two happy woodpeckers be disturbed by my presence. And why not, I thought to myself, why not? What I found interesting is that Robert um, used, when he said disturbed, he cut it in the middle of the line, in the middle of the word and went to the new um, line to finish disturbed, which is literally good because it's like, it disturbs the word disturbed. I love that. I love when, I mean, obviously poets do this, but I love it when they have interesting formatting and word styling. Okay. Let's see. I read this entire book and had a lot of favorites, clearly. This is by Mary Oliver, and it is called Wild Geese. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Ooh, okay, this is like a classic. This is by Cheng Yang Hao, um, made new by C.H. Nock and G.G. Gash, but the poem is called Recalling the Past at Tung Pass. 
these are like the last four lines and they go empires rise people suffer empires fall people suffer this one is translated from the polish by Stanislaw Milos and Robert Haas those two again by Adam Zagajowski it says it's about the shortest poem on the 20th century mania of visiting places auto mirror in the rearview mirror suddenly I saw the bulk of the Beauvais Cathedral great things dwell in small ones for a moment mm, I love that I love how he connected seeing a cathedral in a river mirror with how great things dwell in small ones amazing poets are just incredible so much better than me okay where am I let's see oh, okay I love this whole one. Oh my gosh okay okay I'll read you the first half of it this is translated from the Norwegian by Roger Greenwald and it's by Rolf Jacobson um, it's called rubber I realize all you see are like a bunch of these sticky notes. One pale morning in June at four o'clock, when the country roads were still gray and wet, in their endless tunnels of forest, a car had passed over the clay. Just where the ant came out busily with its pine needle now, and kept wandering around in the big G of Goodyear that was imprinted in the sand at country roads. See, I love the idea. I love how they thought to think of an ant walking around in the letter G, which was imprinted in a country road. <laughs> I mean that's just amazing it like it looks at something a ordinary like well the kind of ordinary like words in the um dirt and then it looks at them from an ant's point of view it's just amazing i think it's so cool when poets like go from something the point of view is of someone different this one is translated from the polish by Cesław milos and robert Haas, and it is by bronislaw maj and it's called An August Afternoon. I am four and do not know what it means to be four. I am happy. I do not know what to be means or happiness. I know my mother sees and feels what I do. And I know that as always in the evening, we will take a walk far up to the woods already before long. That one's so nice. You know, I was thinking about this and I guess it's true. Like at four, you don't know what it, what being happy means. You just are happy. It's like a time before you start, you know, reflecting on everything and twisting everything you experience, at least me. This one is by William Carlos Williams. It is called To a Poor Old Woman. Munching a plum on the street, a paper bag of them in her hand. They taste good to her. They taste good to her. They taste good to her. You can see it by the way she gives herself to the one half sucked out in her hand. Comforted, a solace of ripe plums seeming to fill the air. They taste good to her. I love that one. Oh my gosh. William Carlos Williams is a classic American poet. Oh gosh. Okay, this one is long, so I don't want to read the whole thing, but it's about, um, it's about uh, an, a poet who is imagining that they're going back in time and seeing when their parents first met, and they know everything that their parents will do to make themselves and their children suffer, but they're not sure how they should react about it in the past. Okay. It's by Sharon Olds, and it's called I Go Back to May 1937. I want to go up to them there in the late May sunlight and say it, her hungry, pretty, blank face turning to me, her pitiful, beautiful, untouched body, his arrogant, handsome, blind face turning to me, his pitiful, beautiful, untouched body, but I don't do it. I want to live. I take them up like the male and female paper dolls and bang them together at the hips like chips of flint, as if to strike sparks from them. I say, do what you are going to do and I will tell you about it. Amazing. Such a cool concept of thinking about 
like what you would tell somebody um, if you could go back in the past before they hurt you. And the poet says that they would say nothing. They would just let it carry on. This one is translated from the Polish by Sedlamilas. It is by Tadeusz Rosewis. It is called A Sketch for a Modern Love Poem. The most palpable description of bread is that of hunger. There is in it a humid porous core, a warm inside, sunflowers at night, the breasts, the belly, the thighs of Sybil. You know, I really enjoyed that because it was talking about how um, description of something is actually more most powerful when it's described by a lack of something else. Oh, this is a funny one. Okay, it's translated from the Polish by Cesla Milos and Leonard Nathan. It is by Anna Swear. It is called Troubles with the Soul at Morning Calisthenics. Okay. When I stand on my head, my soul sinks down to my head. She is then in her place. But how long can you stand on your head? Especially if you do not know how to stand on your head. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, this is the whole thing because it's quite short. It's translated from the Polish by Sylvia Milos and Robert Haas, and it is by Bronislaw Maj, called A Leaf. A leaf, one of the last, parts from a maple branch. It is spinning in the transparent air of October, falls on a heap of others, stops, fades. No one admired its entrancing struggle with the wind, followed its flight. No one will distinguish it now, as it lies among other leaves. No one saw what I did. I am the only one. Mmm. You see, I was fascinated by this one because it talks about how a leaf will do this dance, but no one will notice it among all the other leaves dancing. This is translated from the Inuit by Edward Field, and it's by an Eskimo poet, but it says that um, it's anonymous. Okay, it's called Magic Words. There was a time when words were like magic. The human mind had mysterious powers. A word spoken by chance might have strange consequences. It would suddenly come alive and what people wanted to happen could happen. All you had to do was say it. Nobody could explain this. That's the way it was. I thought that was so powerful. Like, especially the last, um, the last lines were, that's just how it was. Fascinating. Okay, I'm going to move on to my second poetry anthology that I also shared in my April wrap up. It's called Language for a New Century. Um, contemporary Poetry from the Middle East, Asia, and Beyond. And this is by, edited by Tina Chang, Natalie Handel, and Ravi Shankar. Okay, also got some sticky notes, so I'm gonna peek and see what I bookmarked. All right, this one is by Ishiaki Lin. It is translated from the Japanese by Leif Morton, and it's called Plucking Flowers. I want to read you the first stanza and the last stanza, because otherwise it's too long, but it's amazing, the whole thing. Okay, I plucked wildflowers at... Marunuchi in Tokyo, at the end of the 1920s. I was in my mid-teens. Farewell, Marunuchi. Now no open fields anywhere. The thin green stem that I once squeezed was my own neck. I loved that. I love that how at the beginning they talked about plucking flowers and at the end, when they're leaving, they talk about how they were plucking their own selves. <laughs> it's fascinating great connection by the way sticky notes are recyclable so recycle your post-it notes okay <laughs> that was random um let's see this one is um it's called paradises soldiers and stags by hatif janabi and it is translated from the arabic by khaled matawa and i love this one because it um well first it has this cool format where it goes in like indents increasing ever increasing indents and um a lot of it 
starts, like a lot of the lines start with, I am content with, which is just great repetition. But then it ends with um, something different. So I'll read you the beginning and the end again. I am content with bitter words, with a fluttering spike of wheat. I am content with the little that is much, but in the end, I will accept nothing less than to clutch the impossible's throat. That's so good. Yeah, I love this whole thing because it talks about what they're content with. And at, at the very end, it is like powerful that they actually aren't content. That they're content with that, but they're still going to go with, they're still going to want things. Because you know that saying, um, true happiness is being satisfied with what you have. Ooh, another one I really liked was by Kathy Park Hong. It's an anthology of Chang and Ang, the original Siamese twins, or conjoined twins. Um, and this is a fascinating one where it's like, at the end, it's where they're dying. And it says, both did not converse with one another, except toward the end. My lips are turning blue, Ang. Ang did not answer. They want our bodies, Ang. Ang did not answer. Ang, Ang, my lips are turning blue. Ang turned to his body and did not answer. Oh my gosh, that whole poem. It's about like, um, how these conjoined twins live their lives and at the end it's how they die. That was really powerful for me. Okay, this is by Lawrence Joseph and it's called Ben. Joseph Joseph breathed slower, as if that would stop the pain splitting his heart. He turned the ignition key to start the motor and leave Joseph's food market to those who wanted what was left. Okay, I liked this one because it has like really interesting imagery. Okay, it is by Emi Nezukumatatil. It is called By the Light of a Single Worm. Kerala, India. Land snails the sides of hockey pucks slime a shimmer along craggy roots. A mantis wipes its eyes with her forelegs like she's taking off a new sweater. A certain earthworm luminescence so strongly here. A zoology professor once wrote a whole lecture by the light of a single worm. That's so good. Oh my gosh. I love the description of like, it says like that the earthworm luminesces so strongly, but then it describes how because the professor could stay up all night on just the light of one worm. This one's so good. It's, it is by Arundhati Subramaniam. It is called Strategist. Fear. Chill in the joints. Primal rheumatism. Envy. The marrow igloos into windowlessness. Regret. Time stops in the throat, a piercing fishbone recollection of the sea. That is so good. Ugh. I love the idea that they took an emotion and then like used visual imagery and also like feeling like time stops in the throat to describe the emotions. That is so good. Oh my God. I swear poets are like craftsmen. It's beautiful. They're so good at manipulating. You know what a poem like really manipulates your emotions when you love it? happens to me all the time. I'll read you the, the first and last stanzas of this one. It is by Suhair Hamad, and it is called Nothing to Waste. You don't waste nothing. You know the worth of bread, cupcakes, carrots, gummy bears. Whatever falls gets picked up and kissed up to God. Can't she pick herself up back to the table and know her worth? Kiss herself back, kiss herself back, and up to God. So, so good. That one's so good. I swear, all these y'all should check out um, and read the entire thing. Or just get this book. <laughs> Literally, they're all in here. Ooh, okay, okay. Uh, this one, okay, this one is called Python in the Mall, which when I read that, I was like, yes, give me a python in the mall. It is by Marn L. Kilatis. And I just want to read you the beginning, which is like, um, like, 
I guess you would say it's like the prequel to the poem. It's just one paragraph. Okay. A serpent-like creature has taken residence in the dark recesses of a new shopping mall. Supposedly the offspring of the mall tycoon himself, the creature feeds, by preference, on new bow virgins. Tabloid story. <laughs> I mean, that's just great. That reminds me of Welcome to Night Vale, because it's like something strange happening in an ordinary town, an ordinary mall. That's wonderful. Okay. Well, that is everything I'm going to share with y'all today. I hope you enjoyed those two. Let me know your favorite poem from these. And feel free to type out your favorite poem in the comments below. I would, I love poetry. Oh my God. I love it a lot. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this and that it gave you some inspiration. Feel free to check out these books because they rock. They're great. And don't forget to subscribe because I make a new video every single week, twice a week, actually. Um, thanks for watching everyone. Please like the video if you liked it, and I will see you next time. So, bye!